Today I have two very special guests. Usually I just have one. And the first guy I have is called Parish Palmer. And he's deputy head for business development and partnerships, but also more interestingly from us here at the Music Secrets Exposed community, founder of or co-founder of Global Sound Movement, known as GSM. And I also have today Phil Holmes, which titled with this title, take a listen. <laughs> Director of the Research Centre of Cultural Preservation through Creative Practice. And by everything that, Phil, you're telling me before we started recording, it is very creative. Welcome. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, thanks for having us with you today. Well, actually, so your, project, your project is so interesting. And I think for young musicians coming up the line and even more advanced musicians to know about what you're, what you're doing, what you have an offer, adds a new dimension of creativity to their work. Uh, because so many people now make video or, you know, they do some form of audio messing about or whatever, that you're doing a very interesting job. So you both with another guy by the name of Phil. Phil. Yeah. Yes. Two Phil's and a parish uh, founded globalsoundmovement.com. So can you explain what it is and how it was founded? Parish, do you want to take this one? Sure. Yeah. So. In essence, we're a social enterprise. We preserve instruments of rare and cultural importance and then preserve those digitally. Once they're preserved digitally, it provides access for anyone else in the musical industry to pick these instruments up and embed those into their musical compositions. So what can people find on the website just to kind of give a picture, a visualization of what they can see? So the website, uh, the Global Sound Movement website is absolutely a treasure trove of every project that we've ever done, really. Uh, and along the top, once you go to globalsoundmovement.com, uh, all one word, that's globalsoundmovement.com. Uh, along the top, you can select any of the different destinations and within there, there's usually been a main project that we've go out that we've gone out to do, whether that would have been recorded a specific instrument or set of instruments, but also uh, the other things that, that that we record whilst we're away, uh, which is uh, environments that are subject to change due to modernity. So, for example, across Africa, there's some wonderful landscapes uh, near the River Nile uh, in a place called Ginger. Uh, which uh, there's a specific wildlife uh, that are local to the forest and has been provided a natural soundtrack for that village for, for, for many years. Uh, but they're about to flatten it and they're about to extend the uh, power station uh, across the Nile. So uh, we felt it was really important to protect that natural sound and, and to document that natural sound for that village because that's going to be lost in a few years. Um, other projects that you'll see as you as, as you dance through our website uh we did a project where we've reunited africa and europe through music i'll let you go and have a look at that one uh and we we've recorded gamelan orchestras out in uh, uh in indonesia etc but each one of the micro sites each one of the pages really details the whole projects that we've done uh, the recordings that we've made, the uh, the friends and colleagues that we've made internationally, uh, and the partners that we work with, and, and the good work that the um, uh, that, that the GSM is managing managing to finance through the the sale of the products. Yeah, I was just going to ask you. So it's it's a non profit. I think this global sound movement. Am I correct? So the funding really that you're getting in through this website is for further recording in the field. Am I uh, right with that? 
kind of. Not really. Yeah. Not really. Oh, okay. Because, uh, for for example, the first uh, the first project that we did out in Uganda, uh, we recorded a specific instrument called the uh, akilinda, uh, and the akilinda is like a big kind of xylophone. Uh, they dig a hole in the ground, they line it with banana trees, they put these big keys that are tuned with an axe uh, on top, and there's uh, depending on the composition between kind of six and eight people playing it at any one time. Uh, so what we did was. Uh, we went and sampled that instrument and I think we took in the region of 800 individual hits of that specific instrument and when we came back in post-production we edited those hits um, so we've got the transient at the beginning and the uh, uh, the envelope shape decays just at the end so you, you do get the uh, the natural environment and we constructed this instrument uh, digitally through uh, contact, Native Instruments contact, um, Ableton Sampler and Logix EXS24. Uh, so people can now purchase that instrument. They can load it into either Logic, Ableton or, or indeed anything else through contact. Uh, and they're free to play it, record it, include it. But the money that, that, that they've purchased that uh, instrument for goes straight back to the people in Africa that built the original one. Oh, and that's, that's a lovely uh, story. You know, you're support, supporting the local community through your work. That's that's beautiful. Thank you very it's much. And that's, yeah. that's the same for each each of the projects that we do. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's kind of the uh, the trajectory yeah. that, that each one goes on. That's what you're focused on. <laughs> Go ahead, Parish. yes. I was going to say, yeah, so where it varies is where we don't record instruments. So. We've gone to Gibraltar where we've hit the rock of Gibraltar, you know, the stalactites and stalagmites. Yeah, I was just listening to that. Those, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's and a very where, interesting sound. Yeah, we can't really donate that money that's bought back from there. So the cost of that instrument is a little bit cheaper. But the other thing that we are going to do is we've mapped it across keys on a keyboard. So when you write a message, you can listen to the message in stalactites. So there's a different way of interacting with, with the sound that we've recorded as well. So yeah. the other thing that we're really keen on is thinking of interesting ways of accessing the sound that we've recorded. So pressing the keys is one way, but we've also upskilled it by uh, making virtual reality instruments. So there's a huge drum in, in China, which you possibly couldn't lift and get into your own living room. But what you can do is you can access it via VR. You get to see the scale and the size of the instrument, and you get to hear it in its accuracy in terms of the way that we've recorded it as well. So you get a real feel for the instrument in a in a virtual environment. That's and all that detail pressure is on the uh, on the global sound movement. That's globalsoundmovement.com website. You're great at marketing, Phil. I'm enjoying it. Thank so, you very much. So what I'd say though is it seems like that it's um a work that is firstly it's very valuable, but there seems to be incredible opportunity for collecting more and more sounds out in our world that are potentially being passed over by modern life. That's true, uh, and it 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 depends where you, where you, where you're looking. You know, I mean, everywhere's got sound. Everything needs sound. Danny Boyle, uh, the uh, uh, film director, said that the cinematic experience. If you go to the cinema, ninety percent of your uh, experience within the cinema is the sound. If the sound of the music's off. Then that's it. Doesn't matter what the what the CGI and the visual effects are doing. That you're not going to have that complete 
um, experience experience yeah and, you know i think something that, that that we do certainly is the global sound movement we're coming at this from kind of a uh, an artistic yes but also a scientific informed uh, practice field-based practice is that our field recordings that we make are the highest possible quality that we can do um, so when we come back we've got authentic sound uh, sound environments um, from certain specific places that film editors want to use and I think that because we've got this high or we, 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 as consumers now, we're after a real high definition, both in terms of the visual and the audio, even in our front rooms, where we're looking at our televisions, when we're listening to music, we really want this high, high definition. And uh, because of that, I think, you know, what the global sound movement are doing is, is providing uh, production houses with high fidelity recordings that, that could be included both in film, radio, media, compositions, commercial releases. <laughs> Really, in summary, what you're saying is the quality is there to be applied to top level projects. Very much so. Yeah, if somebody wants to kind of go and take them from you. Um, when you look at this genre of work or this style of work, now you're located in um, University of Central Lancashire, but are there opportunities for students to come into the university and take up a career path in this type of work where you're collecting sound in the environment? They might be musicians themselves, so they have a great understanding and then apply that knowledge in a studio setting, uh, you know, a production setting and so forth. Like what sort of opportunities? Because I know that there's a lot of uh, musicians out there and they want to stay within the music field, but they might want to go into the field of performance because we know what happened. There was a huge fallout with COVID. And very often questions are asked, what is the validity of this musical education? Where can it be used with a, a sound footing? So. Is there an opportunity here that people can look into and research and perhaps really get excited about? Because I think this is this is amazing. Uh, shall I take this one, Paresh? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. So yeah. Uh, another another hat that I wear at the university is that I'm a senior lecturer in music production, uh, and this kind of this project is has been aided uh, for the last kind of six years through that, and obviously our connection with music production and the technology side of things. Uh, but in, in answer to your question, if a student does come to the University of Central Lancashire, they'll be studying at the School of Arts and Media. And within that school, um, the, uh, th that's where our, the Global Sound Movement project sits. And what we can do is we can access different courses and we can mobilise academics through transdisciplinary projects. So students that work on the Global Sound Movement, because each one, I think it's important to say at this point that each one of the international trips that we've done, we've taken students with us and that the students have got that field based experience in Africa, Cyprus, Indonesia, Bali, Bali which is Indonesia, <laughs> Gibraltar, uh, Africa, oh, yeah. Ev yeah. everywhere we've been. And yeah. we do take as many students as we can. So they're getting real world experience, field based experience. Mm -hmm. Then they're working with the post production back at home. Uh, and actually, there's more than one student that is, that's, that's actually now employed uh, because uh, one of those, Josh, is applied by, uh, employed by Spitfire Audio. We had Reese that got picked up by Imogen Heap, the folk musician, and co collaborated with her on the sole basis that he was a part of the global sound movement. 
we've had at least at least three, four, five different people that have gone on to do the PhDs in this area. Uh, yeah. Uh, it sounds it sounds though the way you're speaking that there's a new form of creativity being developed um like for most musicians who are just trained in the normal system of music they go through the classical exams of examining yeah, sure. boards around the uk and ireland i'm in ireland you're uk but we share the same kind of education and you know that's kind of the frame of reference but this to me is something that isn't uh very well spoken about because it's very niche based within your university even though that we listen to incredible <coughs> sounds in movies commercials and so forth and i'm thinking that like how new is the global sound movement how new is this whole process within university life i think uh i think you've just you've just asked us a couple of questions there and i'll try and answer yeah. all of them in kind of sequence really i think the the idea of of, of um, recording uh, environments, uh, recording specific places for use in uh, film, television, background scratch tracks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, uh, that's not a new thing. The BBC yeah. have been doing that for an incredible amount of time. Hollywood's been doing it for for an incredible amount of time. Jack Foley at the invention of the talkies and all, and all of that type of stuff. It's that's not a new thing. I think the the, the angle that we're coming at it with is that we're actually going out to the specific places in situ and we're capturing the sound of that. I mean, you can't get more authentic than a global sound movement sample library because rather than bring the instrument to the recording studio in England where we've got a sterile environment so we can spend weeks trying to get the perfect, perfect sound, we actually go and record it once and all in the way that it is should be heard. Uh, and I think that's kind of a new element uh, for us. And I think that uh, when we won the Times Higher Education Award for in 2016 for uh, excellence and innovation in the arts, they actually recognised the fact, or that you know the Times Higher recognised the fact that 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 we that we were actually standing up, getting on a plane, going over to these places, having these cultural exchanges, understanding the importance of those instruments. Uh, and recording them in such a way that does them justice mm -hmm. um, yeah. at, at, at high fidelity. So I think you know the, the area of what we do isn't new, but the way in which we do it is new. Okay. I think yeah. to add there, Sylvia, is it's that bit in the excellence and the innovation of arts. It, like Phil said, yes, we'll record it and record it at a very high quality, but it's the way that we present it as well. So if you look at each of the projects, you know, we do exhibitions, we present it in lots of different ways as well. So we've done live fashion shows where we're integrating Western sound with uh, the sound that we've recorded from China. And we do a fusion fashion show where the music and the visual identities all combine. So you get that exactly, you get that full experience. You've got this virtual reality setup that we're, we're working on. You've got the mapping of the stalactites on a keyboard. So when you write a message, you're playing instruments and we're recording brand new instruments, things that we've created. You know, we, we created a, is it a lithophone fill in? Um, uh, we in did Cyprus. in Cyprus. So a, a lithophone is yeah. a, a, a music, a musical instrument made out of rock. Uh, really? Um, made out of yeah. rock, imagine? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we were actually, we had we had an hour to kill in Pathos, to be honest. <laughs> I'll, I'll be, I'll, <laughs> we'll tell you this. We, we, we've no secrets. Uh, so we had an hour to kill. So we went to Aphrodite's Rock 
uh, at the beach okay. of Aphrodite. So uh, whilst we were there, myself and Phil Bush and, and Paresh, the students, the students were there, were all walking around. And it's a pebbly beach, but the pebbles are quite big. Uh, we picked them up and then, I can't remember which one of us it was actually, Paresh, I'll probably give you the credit for this, but, but we dropped one of the pebbles and it actually made it a musical note, a sound. <laughs> Oh so we suddenly, we suddenly said, right, everybody stop what you're doing. Let's see if we can get two octaves of pebbles. So we kind of were, were clinking these pebbles around the beach. We got about two and a bit octaves worth. Really? And then, yeah. yeah. And then we went to, uh, we needed to record them because all of our kit was in the, uh, was about half a mile away in the van. <laughs> so we, we did actually uh, take these pebbles away and uh, we went to the, tomb of the kings in order to record them thinking that it was going to be and naively thinking that there was going to be this huge reverb in this huge tomb of the kings and it was going yeah, to sound yeah. fantastic yeah. and we yeah. turned up and it was the most acoustic dead small space that we've oh ever my been goodness. in uh, <laughs> but it was great it was great we did manage to record each one of these notes and then we in post-production we needed to guide them ever so slightly to the nearest uh, note. Kind of acceptable note as such, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and now uh, we've packaged it together. And Sylvia, I'm delighted to tell you that we've called, guess what we've called the instrument? Pebbles? The Rockenspiel. Oh, go away, the Rockenspiel. Oh, that's funny. I love the creativity of this. I absolutely adore it. The... Um, Question I have, though, comes back to documentation. Now, here in Ireland, we have the ITMA, which is the Irish Traditional Music Archives, and they view it as incredibly important for understandable reasons that there's um, a section in Irish music with elderly people now that have skill, uniqueness, instrumentation yeah. and so forth that is being archived and taken care of. So future musicians can come into the archive if they're doing research or whatever, getting prepared for a gig or whatever, that they might find something unique and new to, to give their audience and look at the history and where it came from and so forth. So what I'm wondering is how important do you think, how important do you think it is um, to document sound and to document music how important is that task? I think if I just take the, the first bit, Paresh, and I'll hand over to you if that's okay. Um, I think, you know, our, our view is it, it's incredibly important to document these things because, um, you know, if we're being completely brutally honest, most of the instruments that we've recorded to date will die out within the next 15 to 20 years and will never be heard again. Uh, the skill of playing, the skill of making those instruments will be lost. And we... we think that generations to come have the right to actually understand what those instruments were and what those instruments sound like. And actually, from a creative point of view, how those uh, instruments can actually integrate and form part of new musical works. I mean, the the, the xylophone we were talking about before was the uh, the, the Akinlinda out, out in Africa. That is now has replaced a kick drum in some Swedish dance music. And they're actually using that instrument rather than uh, a traditional kick drum. The rockerspiel we were just talking about is used in dance music as well because it, because of the, the frequency of which it is, it actually sits uh, above some of the synth pads and it actually provides a bit of decoration which doesn't interfere uh, with the lead vocals from a, from a kind of a frequency and equalization point of view. So all of these kind of things are kind of 
driving composition forward whilst looking at the past. But the one of the key things, and make no mistake, we are the global sound movement, but with such a visual element to what we do, and what Paresh yeah. does is document it visually and present it in a way which is appropriate from kind of primary school kids upwards. Paz, do you want to, Paresh, do you want to take over? Yeah, so what we are trying to work with is creating an instrument that doesn't require any musical knowledge. I can't play an instrument, but I want to be able to access this. So get onto a, a website where I can select a Santori or a Rockenspiel or a Bazooki and put those wherever we want and be able to interact with that, learn a little bit about the instrument, know which ones go together and basically create a composition without the knowledge of knowing what works and what doesn't work, but it actually creates something that, that sounds half decent. But also so, professional musicians can take those libraries and integrate them as well, because something that we do and that we're keen on is, is disseminating our research findings at different levels of expertise. So from non-musicians up to kind of world-class composers. What I would say is that um, documentation from a simple point of view is really important if it's also in video format, because nowadays, because we've audio and video together, that means that these instruments can be remade. So I presume you're documenting it in both forms, are you? Video and audio? Try as much as we can. So we, we use all the new forms of documentation, really. So what you'll find is we use time-lapse videos so people can see how we're recording things. There's lots of photography. We've experimented with the Google Glass so people could see how we was interacting and recording at the time. We've done 360 photography as well. So you can go into uh, YouTube and you can take a full 360 view of us recording things at the time. So yeah, as the technology changes, we try and embrace that technology to capture as much of the documentation as we possibly can. And obviously, as time passes, new things will appear and we'll find different ways of capturing that data. Something that I think is incredible that we are doing at the moment, and actually, we can't take any credit for this. This is the great Phil Bush, which is the... Uh, the, the, the third arm or the third wheel on our GSM tricycle is that <clears throat> we actually now capture the impulse responsive uh, impulse responses mm -hmm. of the places that we record so we could actually so if, if you don't know what that means we can uh, we either fire a starting pistol or we burst a balloon or we clap our hands it's usually the balloon uh, and we capture that sound in the space and we record it in such a way that we can capture the uh, reverb. So we can actually then play the original instrument on our keyboard back at home in, in, in the UK or, or Ireland or, or the US or wherever. And then if you add another instrument on that wasn't recorded there, then you can apply the same reverb to make it sound as if it was. Uh, so uh, yeah, so we're kind of preserving the sounds of the spaces as well. Yeah, as real authentic kind of feel to the trying to be as authentic as and as real as you really can, I suppose. Well, listen, guys, not to delay you any longer because you're two busy guys. So it's been a pleasure <laughs> to have you on. And I could stay talking to learning about all of this forever. But um, the website again is globalsoundmovement.com. Correct. And remember that the money that you spend on this goes back to the community where the sound came from, which is a wonderful way to give back so I thank think you very much thing. there is 
on the website you can see the partners that we have so we've got hands for hope out in africa we work for brass for africa which are with a charity that purchases brass instruments and teaches uh, kids from the Namwongo slum uh, how to play jazz and, and, and the Good Shepherd Home and all these, these different charities across the world that we do kind of work with in NGOs as well. So all of that information is on there as well. And if you're interested in just listening to the instruments, go on to SoundCloud and just press play and you can hear all the instruments. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's an education to itself. It's, it's an education for somebody who just wants to develop a new form of creativity that might be just messing around at home on their instruments and so forth, as young musicians like to do. So I think it's great for everyone. So um, listen, it's been a pleasure to have you both on and I wish you well with the project. Any new developments? Keep us informed. Sylvia, we certainly will. Thank you very much to all of your listeners. And uh, yeah, take care. Thank you very much. Cheers, Sylvia.